Well, those of you that are uh, guests here today, let me just tell you who I am. I'm the senior pastor here, and uh, I want to say on behalf of our entire church congregation, uh, our wonderful deacons who serve so well, our staff, thank you for coming, and thank you for entrusting us with the privilege of showing your children the best way, the Bible way, Jesus way. It has been an awesome week, I just tell you. And for you folks, all of you who support the work here and get behind it, thank you. Now, normally, uh, I'm, those of you who know, uh, uh, know that I am very jealous about the pulpit, and, uh, but I can't think of a better person to fill the pulpit than uh, one who has been a pastor, he's been an associate pastor, he's been an evangelist, is a missionary statesman around the world. This man is a, really a modern-day apostle. And I will tell you, there's going to come a day, someday, when you're going to say, I was there, and I heard this man. And so I want you to give a warm home church welcome to Pastor Mike Robinette, if you would, please. Amen. All right. Now, Brother Mike, this looks like a tough crowd today, so uh, I don't want you to know pussyfooting today, okay. okay? All right. All right. Okay, I got orders from the boss. Those of you who have been around for a while know that the tradition is that I get to preach at, at the Vacation Bible School service because it's such a hard act to follow. Pastor Tim doesn't want to try. So, <laughs> so I, I know the drill, so... Appreciate this. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 4, please. And tell you, wasn't that a wonderful theme about the Bible? Wow. I'm glad we can carry on that theme and continue that in our word today. All the Bible is such a good place and such a, so many places we could preach from. But I want to preach from one of my favorite places, because actually these scriptures mean so much to me. We'll see why in just a moment. But there's going to be on the board here, I think we have the scripture. If you don't have a Bible with you, if you do, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And I'll read through verse 21. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue 
were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. As you saw from the title on the screen or in your bulletin, I'm going to talk today about the six ministries of Jesus. But more importantly, I'm going to talk today and remind myself today and you that Jesus came for me. When I read these six ministries, it's like Jesus wrote this for Mike Robinette. Jesus said, Mike, I came to heaven for you. I came for this purposes. And so I'm going to pray and ask you to bow your heads and pray also. Let's ask God to speak to us, God to work in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity, Lord, to be here and see what these children have learned, hiding your word in their heart, Lord, transforming their life. Thank you, Lord, for the workers that have been instilled instilled in these boys and girls, your word. I pray, Jesus, you'd bless, Lord, as we see, Lord, that you came for us today. And thank you, God, for this wonderful portion of Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If time would, would permit, we could look at these six ministries and discover that every doctrinal truth that has to do with the Christian life is found in these six ministries. We could also take the time and discover that all the attributes of God would be found right here in these verses and the ministry of Jesus Christ. So it's amazing how the Jesus, in two verses, uh, took all the doctrines, all the attributes of God, and declared them right here in these verses. But the amazing thing to me is when I read what Jesus came to do, I can say, thank you, Lord, that you came for me. And to understand the full uh, meaning and the beautiful discourse here, we have to understand its context. The context of Luke chapter 4 is Jesus returning from being tempted of the, of the devil 40 days and 40 nights and and fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He went without food, he went without water, and the devil tempted him. We find that if you have your Bibles open. If not, I'll read it to you. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And there he was tempted 40 days and 40 nights. Then we get to our text in verse 14, and it says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. What an amazing truth about Jesus. He was, started his ministry. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights because God the Holy Spirit had led him out into the wilderness to be tempted of the, of the devil. And he was full of the Spirit when he went to be tempted of the devil. The Holy Spirit was full of, in, in Jesus. He was uh, he operated under the power of the Holy Spirit. And verse 14 says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now had this been written of me, and it said Mike Robinette went into the wilderness and fasted 40 days and 40 nights, first of all, that wouldn't happen because I would die if I fasted 40 days and 40 nights. 
<clears throat> it's harder just to fast a day. And then secondly, it would not have said of me that I return in the power of the Holy Spirit. It would have probably have said something like this. Mike Robinette went in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. God led him there to be tempted to the devil. And when he came back, he quit the ministry. And when he came back, he was, he was defeated. When he came back, he was discouraged. When he came back, he said, I don't want to do this anymore. But not Jesus. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus was tempted of the devil. And Jesus, when he came back, was still full of the Holy Spirit. God give us some Christians who will be like Jesus. And when the devil tempts us, we'll just be stronger. When the devil tempts us, we'll fall on our knees and will still be filled with the Holy Spirit, will still be doing God's will, will still be serving the Lord. But sadly, when the devil tempts us, most of us quit. Most of us give up on church. Most of us give up on serving the Lord. So that's the context here. Another great truth of this context in verse number 9, the Bible says the devil brought, brought Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him if thou be the son of God cast thyself down from hence the end of our story which I'll tell you now the end of our story finds Jesus uh, reading the scripture in the synagogue and in verse number 28 and 29 after he read the scripture in the synagogue here's what happened and all they that were in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill whereunto their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. In my notes I have this written. <clears throat> the religions of the world and the devil have two things in common. They, ought, they, they want to get rid of Jesus. The devil wanted Jesus to kill himself by jumping off the temple. And after Jesus got through reading the scripture in the, in the temple, the religious leaders wanted to take him out to the mountain and throw him off the mountain and kill him. They both wanted to get rid of Jesus. But the Bible says in verse number 15, And, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. He came back to his city where he was born. He was being glorified in the temple. But after he made the application of this scripture, those that were glorifying him hated him. And here's why. Verse number 17, there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when it says the book there, we know that it was either one of two things. It was either a scroll, because in the synagogue even today, they have each of the Old Testament books wrote up in a scroll. Or it was a papyrus, which could have been in a book form. At any rate, they handed to Jesus the book of Isaiah. Uh, scholars would tell us, and whether this be true or not, it certainly would fit in with the Jewish religion. Scholars would tell us that on each Sabbath day, the Jews had a specific scripture to be read for that day. It was a designated reading, just like some churches have designated Bible reading, and today would be a certain designated day. If that was the case, uh, when they handed the scroll to, to, uh, to Jesus, he opened the scroll or opened the papyrus to the book of Isaiah chapter 61, and that's where Jesus read from. And 
in verse number 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are brute. Jesus read that, and the scripture said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Meaning that if that was the case, God planned eternity for Jesus to be in the synagogue on this day when Isaiah 61 was to be read. And Jesus opened it to Isaiah 61. And Isaiah, 800 years earlier, was prophesying that the Messiah would come from heaven, the Son of God would come from heaven, the Christ would come from heaven. And Isaiah said the Spirit of the Lord would be upon him. Jesus opened the book of Isaiah to 61 and he read that. And after he got through reading that, Jesus said, he sat down and Jesus said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. That's why they got so upset. It wasn't that he read the book of Isaiah. It wasn't that he was quoting what the, what the prophet Isaiah said. It was that Jesus said, Isaiah was writing about me. This day, this scripture is fulfilled. I am the one. I am the Messiah. I am the one that came to do these six ministries. They could not handle, as they could never handle the truth, that Jesus was God from heaven. He was the Messiah. And it was that truth, by the way, that got him crucified. Jesus said, I came to do these six things. Sometimes we as Christians, we wonder, what am I supposed to do in life? Sometimes we wonder, what is the church supposed to do in, in our ministry? And Jesus gave us this great outline of, of our ministry. But thank God that Jesus came. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let me make this one application, then I'll share the points in closing. Only one person of, in all of history that was ever born could have opened the book of Isaiah 61 and say, this is about me. Nobody else could have done that. Only one person could have done that. No prophet, no religious leader, no one except Jesus could open the book of Isaiah and said, the Spirit of God anointed me to do this. Only one person. And by the way, that's why when we come to a Bible-believing atmosphere, that's why we're... we're we're not ashamed, we're even compelled to say that there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus. There's only one person that came from heaven and took up the form of a man, that was Jesus. There's only one person who died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the grave, and that was Jesus. When I go to India, I don't tell anyone that they're not worthy of heaven. I don't tell anyone that God doesn't love them just as much as he loves me. I don't tell them that, that the, it's not possible for them to get to heaven. I just simply say, God made a way for you to go to heaven, just like he made a way for me to go to heaven. God loves you, and God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. That was the message Jesus gave here. When I, those of you who know my testimony, I was not raised going to church. Even though I was born in the South, no one took me to church, my Dad divorced my mom when I was two and, and left. And my mom had a nervous breakdown over that. And I was never, never went to church with my mom until I was in my 20s. But I never held a Bible until I was 24. 
But when my wife and I got saved in Baldwin Park, California, and I read Luke chapter 4 for the, first, for the first time, it was so exciting to realize that Jesus did that for me. Jesus did left heaven for Mike Robinette. That was what I saw when I read Luke chapter 4. Because Jesus said, The Spirit of God has anointed me because He anointed me, he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. When I read that, I understand, I understood why Jesus came for me. He came for every poor person, but thank God he came for me. I, I should not have been poor when I was growing up. My dad was an iron worker. He made the top of the, the, the union scale wage. But when my dad left when I was two, we lived in a little house. I didn't know that at the time, but after I, we moved to California, at least I did when I was a teenager, I went back to my hometown in Kentucky after being saved and working at five churches and started a church there. And I would often go look at the little house that we lived in when I was born. Nice little house out in the suburbs of the city by a big, big, beautiful park. And I would think of what my life perhaps would have been if my dad hadn't have left. But my dad left. My mom had to sell the house. We moved from a nice little family home in the suburbs. We moved to town. We moved to, uh, in the uh, apartments where poor people lived. There was no welfare in those days. We lived uh, in hotels. We lived over top grocery stores. We lived over top other stores. I didn't tell this to my granddaughter and Pastor Luke's daughter last night as we were out visiting, but we went to a place, we went to a halfway house in Lodi, and, and to the girls, you know, it was a frightening place, it was an uncomfortable place, they were out of their comfort zones, but that took me back. That's how I used to live when I was a little boy. I lived in places like that. I grew up in places like that. The last time I lived with my mom, I was 10 years old. I I think that's why God sent me to, to India where there's 500,000 orphans because I can relate to them. Because from the time I was 10 years old, I did not have a home where I could say to my friends, come and visit my home. I, I could not go to the refrigerator and open the refrigerator and get something out of the refrigerator because it wasn't my home. I was always a guest in, in somebody's home. So I grew up poor. But thank God Jesus came for this poor little boy. Thank God Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor. And one of the, again, I started to use the illustration of India, but that, that's in my heart and mind. But when I go to India, in the Hindu temples, the Hindu temples will not allow the Dalits to come into the temple. The Dalits are the untouchable. Even though they're Hindus, they cannot come into, come into the temple. And I thank God I can go to India and say, you can come to Jesus. <laughs> the Jesus came for you. He came for the poor. Yes, he came for rich people, but thank God he came for the poor. Thank God Jesus came for me, came for, came for the poor. Often people talk about being uh, uh, mistreated or being treated like someone's a, a bigot against them. Let me get and share this personal part of my testimony before I go on. I was, I was born 
poor. Thank God I'm not poor now because Jesus, Jesus delivers us even from our poverty. Amen? You don't have to stay poor. You don't have to stay in the apartment over, over top of the, the drugstore. You don't have to stay there. If you do, fine, but you don't have to because Jesus delivers us. But I was born poor. I, I know what it's like to be poor. I know how you, you're treated when you're poor. I know how kids treat you when you're poor. I was a hippie. I know what it's like to be, have somebody say they're going to hold you down and cut your hair. I know what it's like for people to think that you're dirty and filthy just because you're a hippie. I'm a veteran of the Vietnam War. I know what it's like. They, we were hated. And now I'm a Christian. <laughs> so I, I know what it's all about for people to hate you and mistreat you because you're the underdog. But thank God I'm, in the, thank God I'm the underdog for Jesus. And he loves the underdog. And so Jesus said, I came for the poor. Thank you, Jesus, that you came for me. <clears throat> When John the Baptist was put into prison, he got discouraged because he gave his life for this one called Jesus. And he was put in prison just before he got his head cut off. He was wondering, did I give my life for nothing? Is this the, really the Messiah? And he sent one of his disciples to ask Jesus, are you truly the, truly the Messiah? Jesus could have said so many things. Jesus could have said, well, didn't John realize I raised the dead and I healed the blind and I created the world? But here's what Jesus said. Those of you who know your Bible, you know what I'm going to say. Jesus said to John's disciple, you go back and you tell John this. The poor have the gospel preached. Matthew 5, 11, if you don't believe me. Jesus said, you go tell John the poor have the gospel too. The Bible doesn't say, but let me just speculate a little bit here. When they took that news back to John, John said, that's all I needed to hear. Because if, if the poor have the gospel to them, Jesus is the real deal. If, the, if, if Jesus loves the poor, he's got to be from God. If Jesus would stoop for the poor, because no religious persons did that, no religious institution did that, but Jesus came, and Jesus came for the poor. John, could, John the Baptist could go to the guillotine, as it were. And he could, he could have his head cut off and die in peace because Jesus said, I'm the real deal. I'm the Messiah. I came to preach the gospel to the poor. Thank you, Jesus. Let me say, you don't have to be poor financially to be poor. The poorest person in the world is the person without Jesus Christ. The richest person in the world is the person with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I came for the poor. Secondly, Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. I didn't understand that a lot of things you don't understand until Jesus comes into your heart. Most things you don't understand until Jesus comes into your heart. I didn't know that I had a broken heart. I didn't know the, the sincerity of my broken heart to last Jesus in my heart. Jesus said, I came for the broken heart. Don't tell me a child left to himself doesn't have a broken heart. Don't tell me a child whose father left them doesn't have a broken heart. Don't tell me a child who can't say this is my home doesn't have a broken heart. Jesus came 
for the broken heart. Have you ever been broken hearted, my friend? All of us have been broken hearted. Jesus came for the broken hearted. Thank you, Lord, you came for the broken hearted. And Jesus is the only one who can heal a broken heart, by the way. Your wife cannot heal a broken heart. Your husband cannot heal a broken heart. Your parents cannot heal a broken heart. Jesus heals the broken heart. Jesus came. I stand here this morning. Uh, uh, I'm not much, but what I am is because Jesus came and healed my broken heart. Thank you, Lord, for healing my broken heart. I don't know about you, but I need that just about every week. Just about every week, my heart breaks. If not every day, something happens that breaks our heart. We see people in their needs and it breaks our heart. We get mistreated because we're trying to witness and it breaks our heart. Some Christian brother or sister turns on us and it breaks our heart. Somebody stabs us in the back and it breaks our heart. Family problems come and it breaks our heart. We lose jobs and it breaks our heart. Thank God he's the healer of the broken heart. Thank God that he does it every day. He'll heal our heart if our hearts get broke every day. Jesus came, thirdly, he said, I came to preach deliverance from sin. He said, I came to deliver those that were captive. You're looking at somebody who Jesus delivered from the captivity of sin. Jesus came for me. He came because I was chained by sin. He came because I was chained by addiction. He came because I was chained by the things of this world. And Jesus came and delivered me. He sets the captives free. Nothing more exciting than to be free. There's nothing greater to say that I'm, I'm free in Jesus. I'm free. I'm free. As others last night were drinking themselves to sleep, I was free. As others last night were shooting needles in their arms and smoking dope to find some kind of peace and pleasure, I was free. Thank you, Lord. I don't deserve to be free. I, there was a time when I wasn't free. I can relate to those who aren't free. But Jesus came for me. I ask you this morning, what's got you chained? What's chaining you this morning? For some of us, it's not a bottle, but it's a job. For some of us, it's, it's not drugs, but it's uh, some kind of other habit in our life. For, for some of us, it's, it's our own pride. For some of us, it's our own selfishness. We're chained. And Jesus said, I came to make you free to break those chains. We're no longer slaves because of what Jesus came to do. Jesus said, I came to give sight to the blind. Thank you, Lord, that I can see. Yes, Jesus healed physically blind people. And that's one of the other exciting things I get to tell people in India who have all these idols and 300 million gods. I can say only one person raised the dead. Only one person healed the sick. Only one person healed the blind. Only one person was buried and three days later he rose from the grave. Only one person did that. Jesus said, I came to heal the blind. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Another thing that happens to us when we receive the Lord, we realize how blind that we were. When Jesus came in and transformed my life, I didn't know how blind I was. I thought good was evil. I thought evil was good. 
I thought, uh, I thought sin was okay. I thought that sin was something I was supposed to do. Tell you what, when Jesus comes into our life, we see. I never saw people with love. But when Jesus comes in our life, we see people with love. We see people with, with different eyes. We see people who, who need, need Jesus so badly. He came to give sight to the blind. Then Jesus said, Fifthly, I came to give freedom to those that are bruised. I came to set liberty to them that are bruised. Are you bruised this morning? They were <clears throat> looking at me on the outside, you would not see too many, too many bruises. I often tell people I don't have any tattoos on my outside of my skin, but I got a lot of tattoos on the inside. I do have a few scars on the outside, but there's a lot of scars on the inside. I don't have any physical bruises, but I've had some bruises. I've had bruises from my own making, my own sin, uh, bruises from this world, bruises that other people cause. Jesus came to heal those bruises. Everybody in this room's got some kind of bruise in your heart. Everybody in this room's got some kind of scar in our life. I love Isaiah 53. By his stripes we are healed, the Bible says. And by, uh, by his death on the cross, our, he was bruised for our iniquities, Isaiah 53 said. Jesus was bruised so that I could live with my bruises. So I could live with my scars. Jesus died on the cross and took my sin, took my bruises. I love the thought that's, that we've all heard. When we, all, when we get to heaven, there's only going to be one person still with scars. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he took away mine. He took away my bruises. He took away my pain, my suffering. And when we get to heaven, there'll only be one of us, only one that's got scars, and that's Jesus. To remind us that he went to the cross. He was nailed to the cross. He was beaten. He had the spear stuck through his side so that my bruises could be gone. My bruises could be healed. Then sixthly, Jesus said, I came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is another sermon I wish we had time to develop, but, but three times in two verses, which would be two sentences, in three times in two sentences, Jesus said, I came to preach. I came to preach. I came to preach. The Pharisees would never have wanted to take Jesus to the mountain and pushed him off if he just hadn't have preached. If he had just got up and read it and sat down, but... Jesus said, I'm the one who's fulfilling this scripture. He came to preach. Everybody in the world loves the, the mild, gentle Jesus. I do too. But let me remind you, my friend, Jesus came to preach. Everybody in the world loves the fact that Jesus uh, fed the hungry and he took care of the poor. But Jesus came to preach. Jesus said, I came to preach. I came to tell you that it's better for you to cut off your hand than to go to hell with two hands. Jesus said, I came to preach. I came to tell you it's better to pluck out your eye than to go to hell with two eyes. 
Jesus said, I came to preach. He said, every man must be born again. And if you're not born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I came to preach. I'm the way, he said, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus came to preach. So Jesus said, I came to say this. I came to tell you, it's the acceptable year of the Lord. What was he saying? He said, what you've been reading about for a thousand years is right here. It's come to pass. It's here. The prophecy is fulfilled. The Messiah is come. I'm here. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus was saying, if you're going to have peace with God, right now is the time. If you're going to receive your Messiah, right now is the time. If you want God, right now is the time. If you want God to restore you, right now is the time. Jesus said, I came to tell you, it's the acceptable year of the Lord. May I say in closing that if you're here today, it's the acceptable time to receive the Lord. Now is the time, the Bible says. I shared Tuesday night at our college and career group that we meet with at Pastor Luke's house. I shared Tuesday night, again, a little bit of my testimony. And I was talking about walking on the straight path, keeping our eyes on Jesus. And I said, one of the reasons I think that perhaps I am motivated to walk on the straight path more than others is because Jesus gave me a second chance. Thank God for second chances. He's given me a thousand chances, if the truth be known. But I shared with them when I was 15 years old. I don't remember the sermon. It may have been the first time I was in church, or if I'd ever been in church before, it would have been a few times. But a, a girl... Invited me to church. Almost the, the, fact, the fact I remember, it was <clears throat> always a girl that invited me to church that got me to church. <clears throat> the reason I'm standing here today is a large part because my wife went to church one Sunday without me and got saved. And she came home and said, I'm going to live for the Lord. You can do what you want to do, but I'm going to live for Jesus. Those of you who were here for my Parade of Miracles sermon a couple years ago, I'm holding back a lot of stuff because my granddaughter's here today. <laughs> She's sitting there looking like, whoa. <clears throat> but Mary, some of you heard my story. I got drafted in, during Vietnam when I was 18. And I was, uh, we got through boot camp, AIT, and went to NCO school. And the, we were looking so forward to getting a pass. And the one who had the cleanest barracks got the pass and could go down to town. We never got the cleanest barracks. So finally we got the cleanest barracks. And me and my hippie friends that used to be hippies before they cut off our hair, we were looking forward to going down to Columbus, Georgia, where the bars were, where the parties were. And we were just going to live it up and make up for lost time. And we, we hitchhiked and we got in the car up on Columbus, Georgia, where the NCL school was. An officer picked us up, and an officer gave us a track, the first track I ever got in my life. I folded the track up and put it in my wallet because I knew I was getting ready to go party, and whatever that said, I knew it was going to interfere with my fun. <laughs> we got down to Columbus, Georgia. We were looking for the, the most sin we can get involved in, and two girls came by, and they had a car, and they picked us up. We thought, boy, we're really going to party tonight, and they took us to church. <laughs> Yep. They, took us, they took us to a revival service. 
But when I was 15 years old, I, I, I heard a sermon about getting saved. I can't remember what it was about. But I knew it was about getting saved because I was holding on the back of that pew with my knuckles turning white saying, if I can get out of here without going forward to accept Jesus, that's what I was going to do. Even at 15 years old, I had a, such a hard heart. Thank God he gave me another chance. Thank God for the second chance. Jesus said, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. By the way, I committed the unpardonable sin at that moment. I rejected the Holy Spirit's uh, telling me to get saved. But thank God I didn't die committing the unpardonable sin. Thank God I got another chance to receive Jesus as my Savior. So let me say to anyone who's here, if you don't know Jesus, this is a good time to make it happen. You say, I'll wait till next week. That's what a hard heart does. That's why I didn't go forward and get saved. My heart was hard. I was planning on my next sin. I was thinking I'd have to give up drinking, smoking, running around with my friends, cursing. Even when I got saved at 24, the same thing. When it came time for me to give my life to the Lord, I was thinking I had to quit taking drugs. I have to quit rock and rolling. I have to quit partying. I have to get away from it. And the devil tried to use that. Thank God for the power of Jesus. Thank God he came for me. He came for me. He said, the gates of hell is not going to get you, Mike, because I came for you. Say, well, that's love, isn't it? That's compassion. He came for you also, my friend. And here's the wonderful thought. He's coming back again. He said, I came to preach this acceptable year of the Lord. I'm coming back again. And he's coming back to take us to heaven. He's coming back and the church is going to be raptured and taken to heaven. Thank you, Lord, for that day. Thank you, Lord. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed.